Hello and welcome to the Double Play Podcast. I'm your host, Anderson Picard. Glad to be with you this weekend. It's uh, It's been a busy week for football, quiet for baseball. We'll dive into both of those topics here as we cover both the NFL and MLB in this show. Uh, as I said, I'm Anderson Picard. You can follow me on Twitter at Anderson Picard. Uh, simple enough. Uh, this is a podcast under the Primetime Sports Talk Network. Follow Primetime Sports Talk on Twitter at Talk Primetime and check us out online at primetimesportstalk.com. And finally, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at DoublePlayPTST. Again, glad to have you here for the second episode of the Double Play Podcast. And uh, let's get right into it. We have just a really small baseball segment this week as we just round up everything that happened in baseball, which is precisely nothing. It was a really quiet week in Major League Baseball, especially considering in the last episode, we covered basically everything that needs to be discussed with the quarantine and isolation period continuing on. Uh, there's remains a few possible ideas for Major League Baseball to return with an Arizona plan and a spring training realignment plan. Uh, I've heard from a few people I've spoken with that they expect Major League Baseball to return in the June uh, time period, sometime around June. Um, but the biggest thing I've heard is that it sounds unlikely that minor league baseball gets a season in. So it's quite possible that minor league baseball doesn't have a season. And then MLB and minor league baseball need to renew their uh, their agreement. And they need to come up with a new agreement for next season. So it's really a tough position because if this season's canceled, they need to get working on that new agreement. We could uh, potentially have seen the end of baseball under the current agreement. We could be seeing a new a new format. Who knows what it all look like? But a new agreement rolled out between minor league baseball and major league baseball. Other than that, there's not a lot to talk about. Uh, always interesting to monitor everything that comes out in terms of realignment plans and plans for opening the season back up. Also interesting to see things like uh, t- talks about you know for example Mookie Betts and the Dodgers. If this full season is canceled. He's going to be a free agent. The Dodgers will owe him uh, his money, and he'll be able to leave without having played a game for them. So that will be something interesting to monitor. Again, I don't think the whole season is canceled. Uh, I've said in the past I did, but as of now, I feel like we might be getting baseball season back. I know some NBA teams are slowly reopening their facilities in hopes of returning to practices and potentially games in isolation. So I think that's a good step in the right direction. Obviously, we know. The NBA was the first team to do something in terms of closing when Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus back in, uh, I guess it was March, over over a month by now. Uh, so they were the first team to close their doors and suspend their season. NHL followed, and then Major League Baseball was shortly after with their decision to suspend or cancel spring training and suspend their season. Uh, So that's a step in the right direction with the NBA. And I've seen talks about NHL deciding to play their games across the country in three virtual, uh, or not virtual locations, but three remote, uh, I guess, off the the beaten trail locations, you could say. Uh, I've seen out out in the Northwest, and then I've also seen Manchester, New Hampshire. Glad to see New Hampshire getting in on potentially reopening the sports community that would be cool to see uh, games played in isolation here in my home state of New Hampshire Uh, we'll see how that turns out that's all we've got for the baseball segment of the show again pretty simple no big 
trades or signings, obviously, with everything really being shut down. Uh, I don't believe the league has officially shut down transactions, but no one's being traded or signed right now. Everything is more in the uh, in the general manager and business operations aspect of things right now with trying to keep everyone safe, deciding what teams need to do for promotions and things like that, and then working to reopen uh, and just stay safe, stay home. So that's all we've got for the baseball segment. We'll switch over to NFL now. Uh, that that deserves some more discussion. We had a really busy week with hype leading up to the NFL draft. With the Bengals holding the first overall pick, they took Joe Burrow as expected. Chase Young went to the Redskins, as people imagined, and then Jeffrey Okuda went to the Lions, also as people expected. After that, we had a bit of a mix-up. The uh, Giants took Andrew Thomas, an offensive lineman from Georgia, which was not what I expected. I had him fairly low on my draft boards in the 10 to 12 picks. Uh, I think I had him going as low as I had him as low as 15 and as high as eight. He went number four to the Giants. I I would have th- thought they'd take Wills. They did not. Wills fell a bit. So we'll see what happens there, if that proves to be the right choice or not. Again, what do I know? But then at the same time, what do the Giants know? We'll see how that turns out. At number five, the Dolphins went with Tua, as expected. They tanked for Tua. It had a bit of a road bump as they finished with the fifth worst record, but they were still able to select the guy they wanted all along at number five. Number six, the Chargers went with Justin Herbert. I like that pick a lot for the Chargers. I don't think he's the most polished quarterback, but I think he has more potential than Tua Tagovailoa. We'll see how that works out. Seventh, Derek Brown out of Auburn went to the Panthers. I like that pick a lot. Isaiah Simmons was still on the board, so I don't know how I feel about that. But I've been linking Derek Brown to the Panthers all along, and I think they just ended up going with the guy they've been They've been discussing this whole time instead of switching course and going with Isaiah Simmons. They did select a defensive player with every single pick. Uh, uh, that's unprecedented. They did not take any offensive help, which is concerning considering obviously they have a great running back. Their wide receiver room is iffy. Uh, Curtis Samuel has been talking about him getting traded, but I can't see that happening now after they didn't add any wide receivers. Um so again, we'll see how that goes. Number eight, the Cardinals finally made the jump on Isaiah Simmons. I like that pick a lot. It was tough for them to pass up on an offensive lineman, I'm sure. But Simmons is a star. I have him uh, better than same level of talent, I'd say, as Jeffrey Okuda, who went number three. So Simmons falling to eight was big. C.J. Henderson went to the Jaguars at 9. That didn't surprise me. Then we saw a pair of offensive linemen off the board in Wills and Becton. Wills went to the Browns at 10 and Becton to the Jets at 11. I was wondering what the Jets would do if they take a receiver or an offensive lineman and they ended up going with Becton out of Louisville, who is an absolutely big dude and a truck on the line. He is huge. He's got great power and size and strength. I like that pick for the Jets. That should protect Sam Darnold nicely. At number 12, with Jerry Judy still on the board, the Raiders went with Henry Ruggs, a speed demon, who I like that pick. I had been uh, suggest or mocking Jerry Judy to the Jets, which uh, let Ruggs fall to the Raiders. 
But even without Judy going to the Jets, I still like Ruggs as the first receiver off the board, considering he went to the Raiders. They need that help with speed. That should be a good pick. At 13, the Buccaneers went Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Good pick, good pick. Top offensive lineman available. They needed an offensive lineman, although they did trade up there. They traded up from 14 to 13, uh, switching spots with the 49ers, and then giving up, I believe it was a fourth-round pick in the process while receiving another seventh-round pick. I did not like that idea of them trading up there, although, as we later saw with Trent Williams going to the Redskins and Joe Staley retiring, I mean, Trent Williams going to the 49ers and Joe Staley retiring, not bad uh, that they could have been looking at an offensive lineman. What I think is most likely, though, is that the 49ers were looking to trade down, and of all the teams looking to move up in exchange for that pick, the front runner was one that needed an offensive lineman. And so instead of the Buccaneers letting them steal the lineman, they said, you know what, we'll give up what we need to do to get that pick. We don't need to move up, but we need to prevent other teams from moving up and taking the guy we like. We'll take your pick. It's Tristan Wirfs. That let the 49ers go down one spot to number 14. They took Javon Kinlaw, a defensive lineman from South Carolina. I love that pick. I actually had him falling far in a lot of my mock drafts just because I couldn't find the right home for him. But I would completely agree that he's a perfect pick at number 14 with the Niners. At number 15, we have the second receiver taken. I would have expected more receivers off the board by then, but oh well. Jerry Judy to the Broncos at 15, then A.J. Terrell to the Falcons at 16. They just need a defensive player. I think top defensive player on the board was good for them. I don't know if I love who they took. Uh, I think there were some possibly better options out there. That's okay. Then we saw CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys at 17. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) And then uh, we had a pair of defensive picks at 19 and 20. Eagles took a wide out. Good choice there. Vikings took a wide out. Another good choice. Chargers traded up to number 23 to select Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. I like that pick. Cesar Ruiz went to the Saints at number 24. Decent move. I think they might have kind of been looking at best player available there. Not necessarily because he wasn't the best player available, but he fit their needs. I like that. 49ers took a wide out. Thank goodness they needed that really bad. Packers took quarterback Jordan Love from Utah State at number 26. I love that pick. Uh, no pun intended. Aaron Rodgers might not, but I think it's a good choice. Aaron Rodgers probably only has one or two more years left in him, in my opinion. I think he's going to go out of the league at the same time as Breeze, maybe Brady. I guess he'll last as long as Brady. Uh, but I think we're seeing a new era of quarterbacks, and Jordan Love is going to be one of them. He basically just farved. Uh, he pulled a farve. No, he pulled a Rodgers, and Rodgers got farved. Anyways, Jordan Brooks, a linebacker from Texas Tech to the Seahawks at 27, and then another linebacker and Patrick Queen to the Ravens at 28. I don't know how he fell to the Ravens, but the Ravens had a really good draft overall later on, selecting uh, J.K. Dobbins, the running back from Ohio State, and overall having good selections. Titans took offensive lineman Isaiah Wilson at 29. Dolphins and Vikings took back-to-back cornerbacks, and then we saw the first receiver off, uh, first running back off the board at the end of the first round in uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. I won't go through every pick because that would take too long. Uh, second round, we saw a pair of wide receivers off the board. Uh, Xavier McKinney went 36. Kyle Duggar went one pick after him, a small schooler who we're iffy about. Who knows? 44, another safety, Delpit to the Browns. Delpit should have gone away earlier. He should have been a first-round pick. He will prove all the teams that passed on him that they made a big mistake. 
and then another slide we saw Denzel Mims go to the Jets at number 59. He should not have fallen that far. Oh, and I just skipped over one. I just realized uh, Jalen Hurts to the Eagles at 53 is an interesting pick. I kind of see that as a Jordan Love pick. Obviously, Cam, uh, Carson Wentz isn't being forced out of the league to retire, kind of like Aaron Rodgers is slowly being forced out of the league just because of his age. Uh, but I think that's a good, solid backup pick for the uh, Eagles. Carson Wentz gets injured a lot, and it's nice to have a good backup in there, a young backup, too, who can move around and make the make big plays, make plays happen. Uh, things started to progress, as, or continue to progress, I guess I should say, in the third round. Uh, nothing really stood out to me. Obviously, there's people who are going to be reached for and people who are going to slide and fall further than they should. I won't get into everything there. Uh, eventually, we, we saw the Pats take two tight ends in that round, didn't we? Patri pa Patriots. <laughs> Patriots took UCLA tight end Devi Devin Asiasi and uh, Virginia Tech tight end Dalton Keene. Uh, we'll talk about this later in an interview that we've got coming up. Fourth round, Sadiq Charles to the Redskins at 108. I liked that because that came five minutes after they traded Trent Williams to the Redskins. They immediately addressed that offensive line need with a force on the offensive line. Uh, has some, not character concerns, but off-the-field concerns, but overall he's a beast on the field. I like that pick. I've been following him for a really long time, and uh, he's a great, great athlete. Uh, we kept going. Nothing that really stood out. All, quarterbacks are always interesting to me. Jacob Eason went 122 to the Colts, and then James Morgan went to the Jets at 125. He went far before Jake Fromm, who took a huge fall in this draft, and I had him in my rankings above Jake Fromm, so I'm just going to boast about that and give myself a little pat on the back. Thank you very much. Um, draft kept going. Nothing, nothing big left in the fourth round, fifth round. Jake Fromm continued to fall. We saw the Patriots take a kicker who I had never heard of instead of Jake Fromm or a wide receiver. But you know what? Oh, well. Finally, Jake Fromm went off the board to the Bills at 167. I like that pick. Good backup choice. Bills don't need a quarterback. But when it's the 167th pick and he's one of the top six quarterbacks, uh, seven, top seven quarterbacks in the draft and you can get him in the fifth round. It's a good selection, especially because there was a deep drop-off after Fromm. Uh, next quarterback we saw off the board went to the Jaguars. Jake Luton from Oregon State at 189. We saw a kicker right before that to the Bills. Uh, and then from there, it was basically best player available or try to patch together any needs you've got. Uh, we saw a long snapper to the Dolphins and a punter to the Jets. Quarterback Cole McDonald to the Titans. I like that pick. Ben DiNucci to the Cowboys. Why not add depth behind Dak Prescott in a contract season? I don't think he's going to leave, but it's always good to have someone learn behind him. Saints took a quarterback. We'll talk about that briefly later on in the interview. Vikings took a backup. Again, don't read into these too much. Everyone needs to fill out a 53-man roster. You need backups and depth on your squad. Those were good picks. Uh, so that was most of what we had to watch this week in the NFL. Uh, it was pretty pretty draft-filled week. It'll be interesting to follow what happens going on from here. We could have a boring few weeks in the sports world with not a lot happening. Obviously, a tough time to be a sports fan, uh, but that's the least of our worries right now, of course. Uh, so we'll see how it goes from here. 
Personally, for me, I'm trying to think of good topics to write about and record about for this podcast so we don't have a five-minute podcast when we meet again next weekend. I do have something planned for next Sunday, but we'll see uh, beyond that in weeks to follow. And now, without further ado, I'll introduce our guest for the second episode. Sam Gordon is here on the show to discuss with us the NFL draft, specifically from a Patriots perspective. Sam is the founder and CEO over at Primetime Sports Talk, a fabulous boss and writer. Welcome to the show, Sam, and let's get right into it, discussing the Patriots draft. So with their first pick in the first round, they traded back with the Chargers and ended up selecting Kyle Duggar, a safety out of a small school in the second round. Take me through that pick, your opinions on it, and uh, what, what you think about that selection. Do you want me to sugarcoat it, Anderson, or do you want me to be honest? Go ahead. Be honest. I hated it. I hated yeah. it a lot. I did not – if you're going to pick a safety in the second round, uh, then you're going to pick a guy like Delpit. I really liked his play. I, lo- I loved his uh, – I loved what he showed in college. I really don't think the combine is a big enough sample size for a player. I think people take a lot of – Take uh, what, what's that word? They take a lot of, you know, they take it seriously. They take the combine more seriously than they they actually play on the field. And I think because Duggar did so well of the combine, I think that that in individual drills, I think that that led to his drafting, and I think that that led to his. His, his his selection with the Patriots. What I don't like is the fact that you had a need. You had a need right away at tight end. You had the best tight end in the country available to slip right into your hands, and you didn't even have to draft him in the first round. And you didn't. You selected a safety that you probably could have gotten later on in the draft, probably in the fifth, fourth or fifth round. So I hated that pick. I think you really didn't. You really, you you really didn't get your bang for your buck, so to speak. Yeah, I know when I saw it come through, it looked. I was skeptical. I don't know if I'm as harsh on it as you, but I was definitely skeptical because who knows how his Division Two skills will translate to the NFL? It's a big leap, and he was a star in Division Two, but who knows what that would have been like in Division One, and who knows what that'll look like in the NFL? And then later on in the second round, the Pats took Josh Uche, a linebacker. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? Comes from the same school and system as Chase Winovich. What give me your thoughts on that one? Oh, I love it. I love it. And the fact that Chase Winovich had Bill Belichick's ear. If you watch um, Bill's press conference after draft press conference, that he was that he was adamant about drafting Uche, and because Belichick was in Winovich's ear, that Winovich was in Belichick's ear about. About Uche, I I have a high praise for that pick. You had a need at linebacker. The Dolphins took your kidneys with Kyle Van Noy. The Lions took your liver with Jamie Collins at linebacker. So so you had so you had organs to replace, if you will, in terms of the linebacker <laughs> position. And Uche is one of those pieces that you're going to that you're going to see come in and make an immediate impact. So Josh Uche gets a B plus, A minus from me. Absolutely, and I don't know if it was necessarily a steal at number 60 overall, but it definitely wasn't a reach either. I think it was a good pick, 
and uh, we saw a lot of Michigan players go in the draft overall. And then in the third round, the Patriots had three selections, or they finished with three selections. I know they were all over the place trading. Um, we can go through these. I'll group them into one question. They took Anthony Jennings, the linebacker, and then a pair of tight ends in Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Uh, what do you think about going with two tight ends and then also drafting their second linebacker? Well, you needed to. After passing on Cole Komet, you really needed the tight ends. I mean, Ryan Izzo couldn't catch a cold in this day and age when catching a disease is really easy. <laughs> Let alone <laughs> catch a ball. So, um, so you needed tight ends. You, you needed pass catchers who, who were versatile. Dalton Keene is somebody who is very unusual in terms of the tight end position, and I love it. You don't know what you're going to get from him, and that's the best part. Uh, he's a route runner. He reminds me of, dare I say, Aaron Hernandez um, as a route runner and as a guy who can really take the end around and do what Aaron Hernandez did versatile as a player. Devin Asiasi is more so of a Gronkowski-type tight end. I compare him more to Daniel Graham, uh, who the Patriots had in the early 2000s, as a guy who can be vertical and open up defenses. He's versatile. These tight ends are versatile. They are, they play different roles in your offense, and that's why I really liked it. I liked what they did. I would have rather had Cole Komet and then drafting another tight end in the fourth round, but you went with something that apparently Belichick saw in Kyle Duggar. So you went with what was best available, and I think that they did a good job there. Those guys get um, – Asiasi gets a C plus for me, and uh, Keen uh, gets a B. Yeah, I would agree with that. I saw that Asiasi pick come in. I was like, mm, who knows about that one? But then I saw the Keen. I saw the Keen pick, and I was like, okay, that that helps out a bit. Uh, and then they also took Anthony Jennings. Then we moved to the fifth round, and they took a kicker, Justin Rohrwasser. <laughs> Just talk me through that. Just go go ahead. You're, you've got the floor. Jake, uh, well, when you look at Mel Kuyper's top picks on the board, it was Jake Fromm. And you know me. I've been high on Jake Fromm. I wrote an editorial on Jake Fromm. Jordan Leandre, one of our one of our best writers and great editors, loves Jake Fromm. I think the consensus was that other than Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm was the quarterback that we, that we all wanted in New England. And it was perfect. It was perfect. Jake Fromm fit the system. He was a pocket passer, a great guy on and off the field, a natural-born leader. And he didn't have the strongest arm, neither did Brady. Brady didn't have the strongest arm ever in his career. And I think Jake Fromm, when he – and he played good with no targets. He played good with no targets when he lost his wide receivers, when he lost his leading rusher. Jake Fromm still played very well, and it showed that Fromm could play with no names. And – and what Belichick is going for in this at this time, so I think so. I thought Fromm was the perfect fit, the perfect system type quarterback that Belichick was looking for, and they took a kicker. They took a kicker, and for the lack of better words, they pissed me off. It pissed me off that you had Jake Fromm, who was a second or third round quarterback, falling down boards because teams didn't need one. And you could have had him for a fifth-round pick and for millions upon millions of dollars less. And you yeah. took a kicker, a kicker that's already sparking controversy. Yeah, I mean, right. And 
as you mentioned, Fromm was right there. There were so many other players who had dropped. And I'm going to be honest, I had never heard of Justin Rohrwasser. I've done some reading up on him, and it looked like he was project- He was obviously projected to go undrafted. Some people said he might not even sign as an undrafted pick. And then the Pats took him right there in the fifth round. Even if they didn't take someone like Fromm or, or different top players available, I still think it was a reach. Um, and as you said, already controversial within the first hour of selecting him. Uh, so that was... That was interesting for sure. We'll see how that plays out. We moved on to the sixth round. We had three picks, uh, Michael Nwenu and Justin Heron, as well as Cash Maluia. Uh, so two guards and a linebacker. Uh, another linebacker, as you mentioned, that was a position of need. And then help on the offensive line. Just Those are those are fairly simple picks, but run me through those. Well, those are purely depth picks. Uh, Belichick admitted it himself in the press conference, just guys to round out the depth chart and guys who he thought were reliable in case someone were to go down with injury. Um, really nothing to it. Uh, those guys those guys probably won't be started ever in their NFL career. But just good depth. Um, they all they all get C's for me, uh, honestly. It's just good depth to round out round out the chart and make sure that you get a solid fifty three out there on the field. Yeah, and then also took a center in the seventh round. I'm sure that's the same. So overall, what grade would you give the Patriots' 2020 draft class? B minus. I think that there are a few picks that were really questionable. You had you took a Division two safety as your first pick, which is absolutely awful. Um, then you take a kicker over Jake Fromm, the a quarterback that you could have stolen in the fifth round, and he who would have had a lot to prove, especially since you know he was considered one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. But you still had some good picks in there. You had Josh Uche, you had Afrini, you had two good tight ends who are going to make an impact early. Uh, whatever will push Ryan Izzo off this roster, that's fine with me. So that yeah. you had you had really good picks there. You had really good picks there. Whether right, whether your whether your kicker is going to be solid, that remains to be seen. So if you get a kicker that replaces Steven Guskowski and has as good of a rookie season as Guskowski, then maybe my grade goes up. But at this point, who knows? Maybe the undrafted crop will make it better. Yeah, and I was just going to get into that. Lots of undrafted players. We certainly don't have to go through all of them. Uh, but they got J.J. Taylor, the running back from Arizona. I saw they got two or three receivers. I think three receivers. Uh, and then you were mentioning right right before we started recording here that They've signed two undrafted quarterbacks already. Uh, let's take a quick take a quick diversion into those quarterbacks. Uh, which quarterback do you like more of the undrafted class, and what do you see in both of them? Well, Brian Leewerk has a lot of history at Michigan State University. Reading up on him, you know, he like our, one of our writers, David Sender, I don't mean to call him out, says he's horrible, but he is, he is among the top in many categories. He's first in quarterback in Michigan State University history in all-purpose yards. He's got over 10,000. He's a versatile quarterback who can rush and pass. He is also a guy who can lead your team back from the brink. He led four four fourth-quarter comebacks in his career at Michigan State. So this guy's a winner. This guy's a winner. He's not necessarily the best quarterback out there. I don't think he's going to fake the roster, but he's going to push him. He's going to push him. He's going to push Jamar for a um, for the third string quarterback spot. I think these guys they're talented in their own way, 
the other guy, um, the other guy, Jamar, he's really good um, in terms of passing the ball. I mean, he had 16 touchdowns, five interceptions one season. His production dipped. He had 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And he's all, he was also suspended by the team for violating team rules. So there is some character issue there. But I think that you have something special with these two quarterbacks. I think they bring something unique to the table. And Will Hastings, getting Will Hastings, making Jared Stim feel a little bit more at home. Um, I think he has the potential to be this year's general chef uh, His stats don't blow me, blow me away, or let alone blow anyone away. I mean, his best season, he had 26 receptions. So I think that Hastings would be is a long shot to make the roster. Exactly, but you never know in Bill Belichick's system with, with that system who could make the team, who wouldn't. Uh, so to stay on the quarterbacks for just one more second, you um, do I have this right? You think Sidham will be the starter, Hoyer will be uh, back up, and then you'd go with Jamar Smith as the third string? You think they carry three quarterbacks into the season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think they carry three quarterbacks. I think they wouldn't have signed Jamar Smith right from the jump. If they didn't think that he was, if they didn't think that he was a long-term investment this season, I think that they saw a lot in him. Uh, Grand Louisiana State is not the best school to play at. I think you have, I think you have a weak schedule in terms of that. But I just think, I just think that they went with Jamar Smith really early because they were afraid somebody would take him. Uh, you get, get, but it's, as far as I know, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, lots of undrafted players out there, really good, really good candidates for roster spots. We'll see how Bill Belichick handles that. Uh, one, one more question before I let you go. We're going to switch. We're going to keep talking about quarterbacks, but switch over to the NFC South where the Saints just signed Jameis Winston, or planning to sign Jameis Winston as their backup in addition to signing Taysom Hill to a two-year $21 million extension. What do you see in that quarterback room after Drew Brees retires? What will it look like? Could Taysom Hill be their starter? Will they roll with Winston? What do you think about that? Interesting signings back-to-back with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. That really took me by surprise. Uh, I, I don't think Taysom Hill will ever be a straight quarterback. I just don't think so. I think he's got versatility on all the sides of the ball. I think his legacy will be that he is a gadget player and a guy who can do everything. I think that Jameis Winston is your guy that you're going with, and if you're signing him to back up Drew Brees, I see that as a great way for Winston to learn and to take over for the long haul. I don't think Taysom Hill, if he was considered a long-term option, I think the contract would have been heftier. You know, it's tough. It's tough to really get a read on what Sean Payton sees. I, I don't know. I really don't know because now you have Winston and you have Hill. I don't think I I'm – treading over myself but I just don't think Hill is a surefire quarterback yeah it's, it is really tough to tell especially because I was hoping to see this year see him in a backup role so he could get more attention because when Breeze went down Teddy Bridgewater got all the attention and we still didn't see a lot of Hill and now they go out and sign Winston and Taysom Hill is still a third string quarterback so uh, it, like you said it is tough to tell they also drafted a quarterback in the seventh round so who knows? Uh, thank you, Sam, for joining the show today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Always great to talk sports. I appreciate it. Uh, one last thing, if you want to p- plug any social medias, uh, anything you want to plug, go ahead. Go for it. Oh, no, just follow PT Sports Talk on Instagram, PT Gridiron, uh, Talk Primetime on Twitter. Um, give us a like on Facebook at Primetime Sports Talk, and, you know, just 
go to the site, primetimesportstalk.com. We have some great writers, great young talent here um, that I wouldn't trade for the world. Just great, great team here, and, you know, just just keep tuning in, keep tuning in. We're, we're getting better as the rookies will get better as the season goes on. All right. Thank you very much. Sam's uh, profile or Sam's Twitter profile will be linked in the description as well as the primetime sports talk Twitter and Instagram accounts. Thank you so much for joining the show today, Sam. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sam, again, for taking the time to talk. Uh, that wraps up the second episode of the double play podcast shorter than the first episode. Uh, first episode was full of so much stuff. Two great interviews. If you haven't checked that out yet, I highly suggest you should. Podcasts, uh, This podcast and all the episodes are available at primetimesportstalk.com, at Anchor, uh, Spotify, Google Play, great platforms. We're working on getting it to Apple Podcasts. I apologize to the Apple users. We haven't quite uh, been able to get that set up there on Apple. But other than that, lots of great platforms to check out the show on. You can also follow the show, as I said, on Twitter at DoublePlayPTST. Follow Primetime Sports Talk on Twitter at Talk Primetime. Uh, links, as I've mentioned in the in the interview with Sam, will all be in the description for this show. As always, check out PrimetimeSportsTalk.com. All of my wonderful colleagues work on that site. That concludes the second episode of the Double Play Podcast. Again, I appreciate you joining us today for the show. Quarantine podcast number two of the Double Play Podcast. Until next time, guys. Stay safe. Keep uh, keep trying to survive with little entertainment because in the end, it'll all be worth it. Thank you for joining us. This is Anderson Picard. Peace out. Mm-hmm.